Good morning, everyone. Um, I uh, haven't had a chance to teach for a while, so if uh, you don't know who I am, I'm Troy. I'm uh, one of the pastors on staff here, and, and I like messing with you. And so one of the reasons, one of the ways we did that this, this morning was you just left the aisle right down the middle. How do you like that? Are you, are you, are you guys okay with that? It's different. It's different. We had a wedding in here and we thought, you know what? Let's just try this out. This is we want to mess with people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we are navigating through uh, a series called The Divine Conspiracy where we're taking a look at uh, the first kings of Israel in the Hebrew Scriptures or uh, the Old Testament. And we're going to continue to do that this morning. This morning we are going to tackle uh, a bizarre uh, Scripture. But in the midst of its bizarreness, I, I, fa- I think it's really actually very practical. Because this morning we're going to talk about witches and Ouija boards. I'm not joking. And some of you maybe have been here for a while and, and you've been coming here for years and you're like, man, you know, I mean, it's, it's cool. Calibre's great and all, but I mean, man, it's like, seems like every sermon's the same thing. It's all about Jesus, <laughs> the power of the gospel and global missions and being on mission and sharing our faith. Yep. That's what we talk about every week. We're going to keep talking about that because uh, that's who we are and that is what God cares about and that's what therefore we care about. However, this morning I want to begin by saying this. And now for something completely different. Okay, so uh, grab a Bible with me and, and turn to First Samuel chapter 28. First Samuel 28 is on page 212. I don't have that on the slide. Sorry, Barry, I forgot that slide. Page 212 in the brown Bibles under your chairs would strongly encourage you to grab a Bible and you're going to want to read this one with me. Okay, you're going to want to be like, this is really in there. Okay, yes, it is. So to give you a cliff notes before we start reading of where we've been, the uh, the nation of Israel or the people of Israel rejected God. Yahweh, there as their king, they said, we don't want you to be our king. We actually, they asked Samuel, their leader or prophet at the time, they said, we want a king just like all the other nations have, which is a sad choice. But God said, you know what, go ahead and, and let them do that. Let's see how that plays out. And so uh, they were given a king, a, a tall, handsome, strong man named Saul. And Saul, as he was uh, his first king... He made some decent choices as he started, and he was on kind of an upward trajectory uh, as it was going. However, it didn't take long for Saul's lack of integrity, his, his dishonesty, and his own pride to come into the mix and start to mess with things and, and have him start to be actually on the decline. And so God told through Samuel to Saul, hey, I'm going to remove the kingdom from you, Saul. I'm going to give it to someone else. And that's where the shepherd boy David comes in. And David comes on the scene. He beats Goliath. And David begins this upward trajectory as Saul begins his decline. But Saul is not going to go out without a fight. And so he begins to chase David around, trying to kill him. And last week when David Lazowski was up, he went through a text where, I mean, David has got us. I mean, he could, he could kill Saul. King Saul, he could kill him, but he doesn't do it because he's a man of integrity. And he steps back and says, I'm not going to harm the one whom God has called as king. That brings us to this morning. What had happened now is the prophet Samuel had passed away, and the Philistine army is gathering to fight against the army of Israel, and King Saul is freaking out. And so he doesn't know what to do. And so he gets out the Ouija board, sort of. Okay. 
So we're in chapter 28. I'm going to start in verse 3. And as we go through this, I'm going to be going back and forth between reading the scripture and then showing the scripture in the Action Bible for the young folks with us here. So before I do that, I just want to pray briefly. Father, we thank you uh, for the chance to gather together this morning, the chance to hear from your word, to hear right from you, Lord. We pray that you would open our hearts to see and hear what you are saying to us through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, chapter 28, verse 3, starts like this. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in, the t- in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. So I want to stop there and just say, hey, when I, when I said things right out of the gate for Saul, went, he made some good choices. One of the choices that Saul had made was he, he kind of exported out those who were uh, dealing in witchcraft, if you would. And, and the reason he did that was because God himself had said back in Deuteronomy chapter 18, as part of the law, that this is not how things are supposed to play out. Because primarily, there were, these folks that were doing this were reflecting Canaanite uh, religious practices. And, and primarily, though, what, what they were doing is they were trying to seek wisdom and to hear from God and power and knowledge from sources that were not God. They were trying to go around God and get from power elsewhere and knowledge elsewhere. And so um, in, this, in this time of good choices, um, Saul had, had said, hey, I'm going to get these folks out of the land for now and have them go somewhere else. And so and it wasn't just... King Saul who had done this, there were actually other pagan kings who had done similar things because of kind of the destructive practices that were involved. Even a thousand years before Saul, we actually find a Sumerian king named Gudea who rid his kingdom of the same kinds of practices. So anyway, we start out in verse 3, a reminder, here's what Saul had done. He had um, exported those who were practicing these things from the land. Verse 4, let's pick back up. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem. While Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa, when Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. Now, Barry, we can look at this next slide here. Uh, from the Action Bible, it says, uh, Saul's not safe. His army is confronted by the United, uh, unified Philistine forces. When Saul sees the powerful Philistine army, he's afraid. Frantically, he calls upon God for help. But because he killed God's priests and disobeyed God's commands, God would no longer speak to him. Terrified. He resorts to a dark power. Back in scripture here, verse 6. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. So, again, Saul is freaking out because the Philistine army is coming. And like many of us, especially when times are tough, Saul wants God's help. He's like, God, I need your help right now. And so he tries to hear from God, but he's not getting anywhere. He tried everything that he could to try to hear from God. He took that Facebook meme and he he sent it out to 20 of his friends within 30 minutes. Okay? He took out that paper prayer mat that he got in the mail and tried to stare at it long enough to see if he could see God's face. He, 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 He made the phone call and gave some money. Okay? And none of it was working. He's like, God, I want to hear from you. He gets nothing, so he tries something different. Verse 7. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So let's look at this next slide. This is the picture version of this. Where can I find a... This is Saul on the left. Where can I find a woman who speaks with the spirits of the dead? I need some advice. There's a witch at Endor, but we can't let people see us breaking the law, so we'll have to go by night. 
Well, that night, Saul and two servants sneak across the hills to the village of Endor. Okay? So having exhausted resources, Saul decides he needs to turn to the very mediums he had exported from the land. And he asks a servant to find one. And oddly enough, notice, the servant doesn't have to go looking. They already knew. He's like, oh yeah, it's one in Endor. Everybody knows that. Now, for geographical context, just so you're not confused... We are not talking about the planet Endor or its forest moon as uh, on this next slide. Okay, that is Star Wars, and those are stormtroopers and uh, what are those, ATPs? Some of you know, and if I said it wrong, please forgive me. Okay, so, what are they? There they are. There they are. <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate that. I, probably, I, I hope you're not disappointed that I didn't know exactly what that was. Um, we are talking about the real place of Endor, which is on this uh, map. The next slide you'll see in the Jezreel Valley. Uh, there's a place there. That's Endor. And in the next slide you'll see this is actually a picture of, of the area of, of where Endor was. So uh, verse 8. Let's pick back up here. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. And at night he and two men went to the, to the woman. Consult the spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, ironically. Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. And then the woman asked, Well, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice. And she said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? Where You are Saul. And the king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming out of the ground. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Now, before we finish, I want to just stop there for a second. I just want to make a note about the robe. There's something important about this robe that we see. If you remember back, and I think, Don, it was you, uh, in your text, we, we, the, the prophet Samuel had told King Saul, hey, God's going to pull the kingdom away from you, and it's going to be removed from you. And he told him that, and then and Saul's like, no! And, and Samuel's like, yes! And he goes to leave, and, and, and Saul's like, no! And he grabs his robe, and he tears it. And then, and then Samuel looks back, and he says, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to have this torn away from you. So, when we read in this text, that all we really, well, what does he look like? It's an old man with a robe. And he's like, ding, ding, ding. It's the robe again. And he knows it's Samuel. Let's finish this out. Verse 15. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I'm in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me. God's turned away from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. And Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and has given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had not eaten, or he had eaten nothing all that day and night. 
All right, next couple slides just to finish this off. This is the pictorial version. Suddenly the witch cries out in terror. Then she says, oh no, it really is Samuel. You must be King Saul. Please don't kill me. Why have you roused me? The Philistines are attacking me. God rejected me. I need you to tell me what to do. If the Lord wouldn't help you, what makes you think I will? You rejected the Lord's commands. So he's rejected you. David will be the next king. Tomorrow you or you or army will be defeated and you and your sons will be dead. And the next slide says that in despair and weakness, Saul falls flat on the ground, unable to get up. So in a last-ditch effort, Saul consults this woman, this medium, this witch, whatever. And the next thing you know, the spirit of, of the prophet of Samuel shows up and basically affirms that every, everything he said would happen has happened to Saul. And not only that, he learns he's going to die tomorrow. And, and, and you kind of see as this comes, this is, he's going to die. If you read, kept reading the next chapter, you'll see that that actually comes true. And the spiral of Saul's downward trajectory comes to an end. Probably not what he was looking for when he went seeking. Now, in the, in the midst of this account, it's very bizarre. I think there's, it's more practical than we might think of it at first glance. Because I bet many of us have found ourselves in a similar situation where we desperately want to hear from God, right? Maybe we're struggling in a decision about a job change. Maybe we're struggling with some significant relational issues. Maybe we're trying to hear whether or not like God is opening doors or closing doors. Maybe we're undergoing a trial in our life. Maybe, maybe we've just lost a loved one and we want to hear that it's going to be okay, that we're going to be okay, that they're going to be okay. Just this week, I got an email from a family that's, that it's making a significant family decision. And they asked, is it any insights that you feel or hear in response to how we can hear God's voice in all this would be greatly appreciated? And I can empathize with that because, I, I mean, we, we are in that place where we say, God, we want to hear from you. We can relate to Saul. The battle with the Philistines is imminent. What should he do? What should he do? He wants to, God to speak some wisdom in the situation and we can relate to that. But having tried everything he knew, he turned to a medium, which he, I think he knew was not a good idea, but he does it anyway. And so uh, this text raises some questions, does it not, folks? I mean, like, can a medium summon the spirits? Can a witch bring up the spirit of one of God's prophets? It kind of seems like it. When I was in high school, uh, I don't remember how this happened. I was with some friends. They weren't my core friends. There's some other friends. And we ended up going to this gal's house that I had not been to before. And I had never been after that again. And, but we went and found myself in the situation. And the girl said, hey, let's play the Ouija board. And I was like, I had never even seen one of these things before, but I had heard about it. And so I was like, yeah, I think I'll just watch. That's okay. And so I'm, I'm, I'm watching this thing. And one of the guys that I went there with was, was on his Ouija board. And I'm kind of like, oh, they must just be moving it around, and this is so dumb. And, and they start asking all these questions, and then, and then uh, he, the guy who's doing it, asks the question, well, when am I going to die? And the thing says 20, when he's 27 years old. So that, that night, I, um, I stayed overnight with him, had a sleepover with him, and he was kind of laughing about that and blowing it off, but I could also tell it was actually really heavy on him. Like, I, I think he took that very seriously. Well, this, this guy, we grew apart over the years, and um, we weren't super close. Uh, but when he was 27 years old, he died in a tragic motorcycle accident. 
Uh, just, just to note, he was known to like do wheelies on crotch rockets at like 110. So, so I mean, there was, he, he did live with abandon, okay? So we could say, well, is that a coincidence? Uh, absolutely could be. Absolutely could be a coincidence. Did something happen all those years before in that room? Uh, could be. I don't, I don't really know. But what I do know is that in both cases where this is involved, both Saul's case and this case, both end in destruction. Both end in death. Which is one of the reasons why I think when we are seeking spiritual wisdom and knowledge, we are to actually go to the source of life. And life alone. That is God. So, so can a witch or a medium summon the spirit of one of God's prophets? They come back to this question. If you look at the scripture, you'll find this is a pretty unique situation. You won't find this really happening anywhere else in the entire scriptures. The closest thing we get to is, is an account or a story that Jesus tells. It's like a parable. He tells the story of a rich man and a guy named Lazarus. And in that, they both die and they go to, to, to basically the separated places. And the, the rich man's in a bad place. And he wants to come back. He wants to be able to come back and tell his brothers who are still alive what happened. And he's not allowed to do that. And so we find a very unique text here. But as I was studying this, I'm kind of like, so is this, how does this work? And what I think I, I've noticed is that I don't know if the medium here is really in control. And here's, here's about five observations that I think you may want to just note here. First of all, if she was really that clairvoyant, she probably would have not been deceived by Saul's disguise. Okay, he's the king of Israel. He's the very guy who has expelled her from the land. Um, you know, I, I don't know. She's blindsided by him. Secondly, when it says she, it says she sees Samuel, it says she cries out in a loud voice, which would cause me to believe that she is actually afraid because she's not used to this actually happening when she's trying to do it. Like, ah, like for real. There's a DC there. Okay. Thirdly, Notice that Samuel himself says, and he says it to Saul, he says, Why, Saul, have you disturbed me by bringing me up? In other words, Samuel credits Saul, not the medium here, as the one who somehow brought him up. Fourth, notice that she doesn't interact with the spirit of Samuel at all. She can apparently see him, but Samuel doesn't acknowledge her, speak to her. He speaks to Saul. And lastly, if you were to read in verse 21, which we didn't, you'll see that that after the dialogue takes place between Samuel and Saul, it says she, she comes and finds that that Saul is distressed, which makes it kind of imply that maybe he, she was gone for the whole dialogue. I don't know. Now, at the end of the day, I'm not saying that I've necessarily solved the dilemma here. If anything, maybe we've just shifted it to ask the question, okay, can Saul bring up Samuel's spirit somehow? I, I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is the message that Saul received was the same both before Samuel when he was alive and, and when he's dead, and it wasn't a good one. The message continues to unveil the decline of Saul and just how low he'll go to grab on to what he has already lost. But secondly, I think we can learn that the, 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 uh, the, the leveraging spiritistic mediums is not how God wants us to hear from him. If you look back in verse 15 here, we find Saul is distressed. He's in trouble and he says to Saul, Samuel's spirit, I've called on you to, to tell me what to do. And I think this is the heart of the matter that we find in this text. God has already told Saul what to do. Samuel has already told Saul what to do. You know what? He didn't do it. He didn't want to do it. That, I think, is at the heart of what we're talking about. He wanted to find someone who was going to tell him what he wanted to hear. And we do this all the time. 
people ask me this question, Troy, what, what does God want me to do in this situation or that situation? And I'm not God. So I try not to answer those questions. But what I do do is try to point people to the scriptures where God has revealed himself and say, let's see what he might have to say and speak into this situation. The problem is, here, here's the problem. Very often, we already know what God wants and we don't want to do it. Very often, we already know what God wants and we just don't want to do it. And so what we do is instead we're like, maybe we can get some fortune cookies. Maybe we'll read enough horoscopes Maybe we'll have our palms read or ask enough people who will eventually tell us what we want to hear. Saul can't escape the reality of what's been told already by God and Samuel, no matter how hard he tries to reverse his fortunes. Heck, even the witch like, tries to tell him not to do it, and he doesn't listen. And sometimes I think we do the same thing. But when we go down these roads to try to hear from God, we're demonstrating something. When we go down these roads to try to hear from things other than God, we're demonstrating that we don't really believe that God is the only one that we should be hearing from. We don't really believe that God is powerful, that He has the knowledge, that He has the wisdom, that He still speaks. These are things that we acknowledge that we don't believe when we do this. When we used to have our office downtown, and my house is out here, every day I would, uh, I would drive on 33 to get downtown, and, and uh, I would pass uh, a house of a, of a medium, if you would. Okay? And one morning, I was reading scripture, and I was reading a story in the book of Acts about a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. And if you know the story, uh, basically, so number one, we noticed that because we're reading in the book of Acts about Simon the Sorcerer, the stuff we just read about still was happening, you know, long after the Old Testament. It's also still happening in the New Testament, Simon the Sorcerer. And, and so what happens is after Jesus' death and resurrection, his disciples start to experience the Holy Spirit and do these ama- see these amazing things happening. Well, Simon the sorcerer, he sees people receiving the Holy Spirit. He's like, he goes to the disciples, he's like, hey guys, like, I mean, I got some good stuff, but like, this is awesome. Like, how much? Like, how much does it cost to get that kind of power? And they're like, hey, you know, your money's going to perish with you. This is not how it works. And he's like, okay, I'm sorry, I, I, I got it wrong. So I'm reading that text and I'm like, Lord, what do you, you know, what's the application here? And so I'm driving to work every day, driving back from work. And I, I hear the Lord speaking through the Spirit to say, you need to pray for that woman. And I was like, you're right, Lord, I do need to pray for that woman. No, he's like, no, no, you need to go in there and pray for her. And I was like, how about no? <laughs> like, how about that stupid? That sounds crazy. And so I would just drive to work. And I'd be like, all right, Lord, I'm going to pray in the car for this woman every day. How about that? And he's like, that's not what I said. He's like, I need you to go in there and pray for her. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. So I think after a period of time where I got tired of like, I think I just wanted to get got off my back. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to go in there today. And so I went in there and I was like, this is so weird. So I go in there and I, I, I sit down. And she's like, hey, what do you want? You want your energy red? You want your tarot card? You want your palm red? What do you want? And I was like, actually, uh, God told me I was supposed to come here and ask you how I could pray for you. <laughs> and she, she fell out of her chair onto her knees and said, I need Jesus. Oh, please, I'm sorry. I made that up. I, I, that's what I thought was going to happen. That's what I wanted. To, that's what I thought. Like, this is supposed to happen right now. 
But that's not what happened. I'm sorry. Instead, what happened is we had a dialogue for about five minutes and we talked back and forth. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm a Christian. I was like, okay. Um, I'm just not going to go there right now. I don't hear a debate about that. I said, hey, uh, I want to pray for you. How can I be praying for you? And so, you know, um, I prayed for her. And she's like, you know, you have a really good energy about you. And I said, that's yeah, the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I'm going to keep praying for you, okay? Um, so I leave and I get in my car. And I'm like, God, thanks for that really awkward thing that just happened that didn't seem to produce anything. What are you doing? Why was I supposed to go in there? And I think I heard him also say, Troy, perhaps it wasn't about her. Perhaps it was about you doing what I asked you to do when it was weird, uncomfortable, and awkward. And I was like, that's a dumb lesson to. I tell the story for a couple of reasons. The first reason is because I actually make sure, I need to, as a family, I need to make sure you understand that this stuff actually takes place, like still today, like within tenths of a mile of here. Okay, so I think sometimes we've become oblivious in the church that there is a spiritual realm that is taking place. We've become oblivious to it. Okay? And so I think when we do that, we don't, we forget that our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the principalities and the forces of darkness in this world. Because, okay, just because that happens, does that mean we go on a witch hunt? Absolutely not. That is not the way of Jesus. Jesus says we are to pray for and to bless those who don't see things the way that we do. That we are to be going to love and give and to sacrifice for those. To bring light and love and life into situations of darkness. I think sometimes we can forget these things even are going on today. I, I, I think they still happen because to somehow there seems to be a, a realm or a place where, where occasionally these folks are able to draw some kind of power, but it's not power of life. Just this recently I was talking to a teenager who was engaging just this week with a couple of young gals who were Wiccan and, and they were celebrating death, destruction, and darkness. And so just navigating, hey, how do, we, how do we bring life and light into that? But this is real. It still happens. I think we don't take it, the spiritual warfare around us seriously. And when we do that, we, 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 we are not equipped to deal with it. Or if we do see something that's strange, we become afraid of it. And that is not how we are to respond either. Because he who is in us, that, that trusts in Jesus Christ, is greater than he who is in the world. Now, on the flip side, I think we always need to be careful to go, okay, that doesn't mean you have to see evil behind every bush, okay? Because sometimes we can swing the pendulum that far to, to that side as well. We need to be careful to bring balance to that and not, and not to be, because if we do that, we have all of our thoughts taken captive by darkness. We have all of our thoughts taken captive to Christ. But that, so that's one reason I want to tell you this story. The other reason I want to tell you this story is because I think that story tells you the same te- thing this text is saying, and that God has spoken. And we have to listen to him, but oftentimes we don't. God spoke to me and said, hey, through the scriptures, he said, here's Simon the sorcerer, here's how I'd like you to apply this to your life today. And I was like, no, no. If you want to know where God stands on issues in your life, great place to start, right here. He's given us his word. How many people diligently check their horoscopes but don't open this up? I hope, I hope not a ton of you are doing that. I don't know if any of you are doing that, I hope. But it may happen. God has spoken. If we want to know what his thoughts are, this is where we start. But he went further than this, folks. He didn't just reveal himself through these accounts in Scripture. He revealed himself through the only medium, through the only mediator. 
He's revealed His power through the only one who could truly wield it. The only one whose very name causes darkness to run screaming. It's Jesus Christ. The image of the invisible God. The one who said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And for those who place their faith in Jesus, it goes a step further. Jesus promised that those who trust in Him, will He'll ask the Father and God the Father will give us a counselor to be with us forever, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who Jesus said will teach us of all things and remind us of everything that He has said. You see, we don't need any other medium or any other mediator than Jesus Christ Himself who sits at the right hand of the Father and mediates on our behalf. We don't have to seek God through any other means than Jesus. Because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit through Him. We don't need to look to anywhere else for direction because Jesus said, the words I say to you are not just my own. It's the Father living in me who is doing His work. And family, the only true medium is Jesus. And the only true Spirit is the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And so when we find ourselves in Saul's shoes or we're afraid, we're wondering what to do, I think the first thing we need to do is ask ourselves a question. The question is, is do I already know what God wants me to do, but I'm just not willing to do it? That's the first thing that I think we need to do is we need to ask the question, do I already know what God wants me to do, but am I completely unwilling to do it? If that's the case, and it very often I think is the case, we need to confess that to God and then we need to repent of it in turn and seek to obey Him in, and understand His love for us. The second thing we can do is we can seek counsel from His Word individually and together as a family in community. So that as situations continue to arise in our life, we'll have better and more discernment as to how God does speak into those situations. And a very practical tool um, that I know uh, I use, my wife uses, many of you have heard, but it's basically opening a scripture up and saying, I'm going to ask this scripture four questions. What does this scripture say about, number one, who God is? What does this scripture say about, number two, what God has done? What does this scripture say, number three, about who we are? And number four... What does the scripture say about what we are to do? In essence, that's what I do anytime I try to teach. I go through that sort of that process. And be able to discern what God is saying through this. And also, and lastly here, we need to, we need to see clarity through prayer. Both individually and as a community together and allow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's either going to give us peace when it comes to these kinds of things we need, or the Holy Spirit's going to convict us and say, hey, you know what, you haven't been honest with number one question, which is, do you already know what to do and you're just not doing it? Family, here's, here's the thing. Thankfully, God's Son, Jesus Christ, knew exactly what He was supposed to do. And not only did He know what He was supposed to do, He was willing to do it. And He did it. So that through the Spirit, not only, and there's no other mediators or mediums, but through Him and the Spirit, we can have direct access to the Father. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for uh, even the bizarre texts that we find, because they are speaking your truth. They are, they are showing us who you are, what you've done, who we are, and what we are to do. Father, if there any, is anyone here today who, who doesn't have the spirit of truth, we pray that you would have them um, experience your son, Jesus Christ, who promised to give him. Father, I pray that that as a community that we would seek your face, that we would seek your voice through the word, through your son, his words, through the spirit that dwells in us individually and as a community. And that we would be obedient because we know that you have what's, what's best for you and your glory in mind for us. 
Father, help us when we're uncomfortable and awkward and have to make hard decisions that we don't want to do, but we know they're of you. Give us strength and courage to do that. And when we do that, Father, may you be glorified through it as you change our hearts and grow us and as you help us to see you changing the world, bringing light into darkness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.